Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. And so we make our confession to God and hear his words of forgiveness. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. We say together, Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, Forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, you have created the heavens and the earth and made us in your own image. Teach us to discern your hand in all your works and your likeness in all your children. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit reigns supreme over all things, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 8. Does not wisdom call, and does not understanding raise her voice? The Lord created me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts long ago. Ages ago I was set up at the first, before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth when he had not yet made the earth and fields or the world's first bits of soil. When he established the heavens, I was there, when he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him, like a master worker, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. The Gospel reading is from John chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. 
What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. There are some wonderful words in today's readings. Words like delight, rejoicing and glory. And what links them all is that they're all words which are being used in the context of material creation, physical existence, the flesh and blood reality of human life and of the life of the world. There's been a persistent trend throughout Christian history to shunt the focus of faith from the realm of the physical to the realm of the spiritual, from this earth which we know and inhabit to some sort of hazy ethereal place in a distant heaven, as if the world to come is the only world that really counts. Pie in the sky when you die is the caricature. It's a temptation that dates right back to the early days of the church, when the Jewish faith of Jesus' first Galilean followers was embraced by the Greek-speaking and, more importantly, Greek-thinking people of the eastern Mediterranean nations beyond Israel. Many schools of Greek-influenced philosophy at the time were very ambivalent about bodies and physical stuff generally. Some held that the word world was really the botched initiative of a lesser god, Others said that the material creation was just a shadow of a better, purer ideal beyond our grasp. Many ancient creation myths viewed men and women as a nuisance to the gods, or as playthings to be used for divine convenience. But that's not what the Bible says. It's not what our readings today tell, tell us. Instead, they talk about creation, all of it, as something to delight in to rejoice in, a glory and a wonder. Material creation, this stuff which we and everything else around us is made of, isn't a second-best botched job, a ghastly mistake on the part of the Creator. It's God's pride and joy. In our first reading from the book of Proverbs, the figure of wisdom works with God to create the world and then rejoices with him in his inhabited world, delighting in the human race. The Bible doesn't downplay or ignore the problems of physical living, its pains and its struggles, or the reality of the sins we commit which mar and damage the world. It doesn't pretend that everything is always as we, or God, would like it to be. 
But that doesn't mean that God has rejected his creation. I've never been able to get my head around a theology that believes that God has withdrawn from us in some kind of divine huff because in his holiness he's sort of allergic to human sin and unable to exist in its presence. Nor can I believe that there was an unbridgeable gulf between humanity and God until Jesus came. The reason that's never made much sense to me is that when I read the Bible, that unbridgeable gulf doesn't seem to be there. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Again and again in the Old Testament, just at the point when human beings have screwed up completely and when all hope is lost, God suddenly is there alongside them. When Adam and Eve are banished from the Garden of Eden, God seems to go out with them, appearing to people in all sorts of ways. He shows himself in a burning bush, in the vision of a ladder set up to heaven, in a still small voice that comforts the prophet Elijah as he sits in despair in a mountain cave. He's present with slaves in exile in Egypt and then in Babylon too. His people may not notice him, they may have turned their backs on him, but he's right there beside them all the time. The famous gospel reading we heard today rams that message home. The word became flesh and lived among us. Among us. The people we meet in the gospels, even those Jesus chose as his closest followers, weren't plaster saints. They were vacillating, cowardly, sometimes treacherous people, people who squabbled among themselves and generally blundered around making things worse rather than better much of the time. They lived in an occupied land, often having to collaborate with the powers that oppressed them and make uneasy moral compromises in order to survive. Many of them had distinctly dubious backgrounds. They were tax collectors and prostitutes, people whose lives were broken, who felt hopeless and helpless. And yet it was precisely to these people that Jesus came, God with us, God in the mess, God in the chaos, God in flesh and blood, real flesh and blood like theirs and like ours, which bleeds and hurts and dies. Why would God want to become flesh, if that's what being flesh means? Well, surely it was in order to convince us that despite all of this, flesh is still blessed. Because his was flesh which also held and hugged, which knew the pleasure of a good meal at the end of a long day, which felt the silkiness of oil soothing rough skin. Jesus' body is quite literally a tangible demonstration of what God thinks of human flesh and of the world it inhabits. It's a place he wants to be. The physical body of Jesus, born in Bethlehem, walking the roads of Galilee, sharing bread with the hungry, nailed to the cross, tells us that our bodies, all bodies, are God's good idea, God's delight and that extends to all the physical stuff of the universe, to the bodies of animals and birds and insects, to the body of the world, to the trees and the plants and the oceans. The body of Jesus calls us to remember the blessedness of all God's creation, of all those other bodies, 
if God in Christ so honoured human flesh and material creation to come and be part of it, who are we to treat it as if it doesn't matter? Today in our service in church, some of our eco-church team will be introducing a survey they've devised to help us be aware of what we're doing and what we might do to safeguard that material creation, to honour the bodies that we have been given and the body of this world. You'll be able to find a link to that survey on our church website and blog and in the newsletter that accompanied this message. So do have a look. Reflect on what it is you're doing to delight and rejoice in this body that you've been given and the material world in which you've been set. Amen. And so as we bring our prayers to God, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.